The Way BK podcast is dedicated to pursuing and promoting a true understanding of Jesus Christ and the transformation He provides for all who submit to Him to live in a way that is pleasing to God as revealed in the Bible. Let's join our hosts as they discuss The Way. What's up, everybody? Thanks again for joining us on The Way BK podcast. We've started the past couple of weeks looking at the book of Deuteronomy. This month, we've been working through a reading plan locally here with those who are trying to read the Bible and know the Lord better. And this month, we've been in the book of Deuteronomy. So we're trying to record some podcasts that align with that and help pull out some different ideas that help us all to think better about this great book. Wherever you are, if you're listening and there's something we can do to help you in your pursuit of the Lord, you've got questions about scripture, whether it's the ones we're talking about or just in general, if you're dealing with sin and issues that you need help and support with, let us know, and we can do uh, whatever we can to, to help you out. So today we're going to be looking at how the book of Deuteronomy points to Jesus and helps us understand Jesus. The book of Deuteronomy was written centuries before Jesus, and yet there's a few key texts that Jesus either quotes from personally, uh, connecting himself to the book, or other people in speaking about Jesus, they point to it and say, hey, look, this was actually a prophecy about Jesus or a foreshadowing of Jesus, and it helps us understand him better. And that's the whole point of Bible study is to understand Jesus, to know him, and to learn to love him. So we want to kind of look at that. Caleb, you want to get us going here on what we see about Jesus in the book of Deuteronomy? Well, so um, one of the big things that uh, jumps out as you read from this story and the book of Deuteronomy is the emphasis on uh, the story of Israel being fulfilled in Jesus. Um, and uh, one of the easiest places to notice that is in the story of Jesus' temptations um, in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 4 when Jesus is taken up uh, by, he's out in the wilderness and he's tempted by the devil. Um, Every time the devil tempts him, Jesus responds with something from the book of Deuteronomy. Um, so while Jesus is in the wilderness, he's using wilderness verses, wilderness scriptures, in order to resist temptations, which should be a clue for us. And actually, if you're reading through the Gospel of Matthew, there are a lot of clues in the, in the beginning of that book to kind of emphasize that Jesus is experiencing um, or Jesus is coming to fulfill it, the Israelite experience. Um, so um, Matthew begins with the Deuteronomy, or, or sorry, Matthew begins with the genealogy of, uh, of starting with Jesus as being the son of David, the son of Abraham. And he's kind of pointing out that all these promises that God has made are fulfilled um, in Jesus, that Jesus is the seed that, is, that, is, that Abraham had been promised by God. And then you've got the story of Jesus's birth, and uh, it reminds you of the Exodus story when uh, when Herod tries to kill all the all the babies, but um, Jesus, just like Moses was 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 saved. Um, then they escape to Egypt. They come back, and when they come back, uh, Jesus is baptized, uh, which actually in uh, later on in the New Testament it'll speak about the Israelites being baptized when they went through the Red Sea. Um, 
and then they go out into the wilderness and, and Jesus does the same immediately after he's baptized, he goes into the wilderness and he's tempted by the devil. And in Matthew chapter four, uh, it says the first temptation came from the tempter who said, if, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And that's a direct quote from Deuteronomy chapter eight, where God tells them, starting in verse one, to be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness in these 40 years to humble you, to test you in order to know what is in your heart, whether or not you will keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you. The man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So right here in Deuteronomy chapter 8, um, Moses is trying to help the people to realize that actually it's the commands of God that they need to be hearing and they need to, they need to be obeying. And he reminds them that actually God sometimes tested them to see if they were going to trust his commands. Uh, and one of the ways that God did that was that he let them go hungry sometimes. And then he would feed them from, with manna from heaven. The point of that was, was not because God was just trying to be mean to them or God was just trying to uh, frustrate, make their lives miserable. The point of that was God was testing them and teaching them to recognize that actually what they needed more than their stomachs filled was their hearts to be filled with the word of God. Um, that more important than, than bread was the bread from heaven, that is the word of God um, that God was giving to sustain them. So right here in, in the story of Jesus, you kind of, you, you, at the beginning of Matthew's gospel, you get, you get kind of this picture that, uh, that Deuteronomy is going to play an important role in, in Jesus' life. So you use this phrase uh, that Jesus fulfilled Israel's story. Maybe for those, I mean, so on one level, that just means Jesus did the stuff that Israel did. Like you said, they were in Egypt. He was in Egypt. They passed through the water. He passed through the water. They were in the wilderness and were tested for 40 years. He went in the wilderness and was tested for 40 days, but still long time and hungry right. and all that stuff. Uh, and then there's even others. But why is that a big deal that the Gospel of Matthew, for instance, would draw attention to that? What, what does it mean for Jesus to fulfill the Israelite story or whatever? Is it just hey, Jesus went through the same stuff they went through, or is there something else kind of being indicated by the fact that there's such attention given to the parallel or the, the completion of what Jesus is doing versus Israel? Yeah, so I think it is to show, one, that there's this uh, connection between God and man and that God can understand what we are going through. That The fact that Jesus came down and experienced everything the Israelites experienced was meant to show uh, that he can aid us when we're tempted. He knows what temptation is like. He knows what we've been through. He's been tempted in every way, just as we are. Um, but even more than that, I think what, what Matthew is trying to show us is that in every area where Israel failed to be what God was calling them to be, Jesus did not fail. Um, he passed every test uh, in which he faced. 
which makes him fit to be everything that God had promised the Messiah would be. Um, he is he's able to be this uh, light to the nations. He's able to be um, this seed that's going to bear fruit, that's going to die and bear all sorts of fruit. He's able to provide, uh, you know, salvation because in all the areas that God had called Israel uh, to, to live and to trust him, where they failed, Jesus has shown himself uh, faithful. Which I think makes reading Deuteronomy 18 even richer from what you're saying, because you can read it and you're like, man, it's such a bummer they had to go through the wilderness. Why they go through the wilderness? Well, because they sinned, they rebelled. And even while they're in the wilderness, most of the time they didn't learn the lesson that man shall live by bread. I mean, these people who were still surviving, they did, but a whole generation passed away, was, was you know, uh, gave their lives away, really. It's not passed away. It just sounds like it was a natural thing. It wasn't what was supposed to happen, but they gave it away because of their rebellion. And reading Deuteronomy 8 can kind of be a bummer uh, and, and a little bit ominous because Moses is basically saying, hey, you guys, y'all better learn this lesson. And we kind of know that even this generation, or at least, sorry, not this generation, but their kids later on in the book of Judges, they're not really going to learn the lesson either. This is such a short-term window where people actually got what was taught here. But then it also makes Jesus that much more amazing. Where everybody else failed, he was a success. And you could track that all the way back to the Garden of Eden. The entirety of the Torah is about failures. Adam, and even some of the, the, the heroic figures, Noah and Abraham and all those guys and people that were sinister like Jacob, even people that God was using, they all kept on failing. And Israel, of course, did that. Uh, and their wilderness period marked that. Jesus didn't, though. Jesus, as he said when he was baptized, and that, to me this is a phrase that I still have very exactly what it means, but he did indeed fulfill all righteousness. He did yeah. what nobody else had ever done and what nobody else um, was able to do for anyone else. He did it. And that's a helpful thing. When you read Deuteronomy 8, it's not just an ominous or a disappointing chapter of the failures of human beings. It points toward the perfection of, of Christ. Yeah. And I think too, this is helpful because, uh, you know, I, I almost hear, and I, th I think I've almost been guilty of thinking like this at times, but I almost hear people talk like sometimes, well, God just put Israel there and, and God wanted them to fail. Like God wanted them to screw it up. You know, that was his plan all along that Israel just mess everything up. And, uh, and then, um, but, but one of the things that we see here in, in Deuteronomy, when you look at Jesus is when Jesus is quoting in each of these temptations. And again, he quotes from Deuteronomy six. Um, the second time he's tempted when the devil takes him up and has him stand on the highest port of the point of the temple. He says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. And he quotes from Psalm 91. You, this is important because the devil can quote scripture too. Um, mm -hmm. you, you know, not every interpretation of scripture is correct. You can't just make up your own. The devil has interpretations of scripture too. He quotes from Psalm 91 and says, Hey, just, uh, if you're the son of God, just throw yourself down. Um, and you know, he'll give his angel, his angels will, will take care of you. Uh, you won't even strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus said, it's also written, don't put the Lord to the test, which is straight from, uh, Deuteronomy chapter six and in verse 16, where he says, do not test the Lord, your God, um, as you tested him at Massa. And then the next temptation, again, he basically shows him all this kingdoms of the world says, Hey, if you'll just if you'll just bow down and worship me, Jesus, then uh, I'll give it I'll give it all to you. 
And Jesus says to him, away from me, Satan, for it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Well, where is it written? Again, it's written in the book of Deuteronomy in Deuteronomy chapter six. Now, why is this so important? Well, for us, I think this is really important because what it shows us is that God was not just trying to set Israel up for failure. God had actually given them everything they needed in the law in order to overcome every trial and temptation that they had faced. Every test that they went through was actually meant to be for their good in the end, as we talked about last week. Um, and, and, and so I think this shows us the faithfulness of God, even in the midst of trials and even in the midst of temptations. Um, if, if Jesus is able to overcome each temptation by looking back to the word of God and looking back to the wilderness scriptures, then the point is that actually Israel had everything they needed right there, accessible and available to be able to overcome these temptations. And, and of course, the same is true for us. Um, let not anyone say when I'm being tempted that I'm being tempted from God. No, God isn't trying to make you fail. God isn't trying to destroy you. God has given you everything you need for life and godliness in his word. God has given you everything you need to overcome temptation. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, when he's talking about the Israelite story, um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he says in verse 13, no temptation, no trial has overtaken you except what is common to man. But God is faithful. He's not going to allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation, he'll provide a way of escape. So the really empowering part about this is um, that we too have everything we need to overcome temptation, if we'll just look to the scriptures that he's given us. And this passage you're referring to in 1 Corinthians 10, he highlights this concept that we're saying, which is, hey, Jesus did all this. And it wasn't just, wow, Jesus is awesome. It is that. Jesus was also blazing a trail. That's The right. next story after this, where Jesus interacts with people, he meets some people and he says, in Matthew 4, I mean, where after the wilderness temptations, and he quotes from Deuteronomy 8 and all this kind of stuff. The next time he meets people, he says, follow me. And I'm going to change you. I'm going to make you into something different. That's so right. the point is, Jesus is blazing a trail that Adam didn't blaze, Israel didn't blaze, no other, no other person paved the way like this, but Jesus did, and now he said, okay, it's time for you to walk this path. And that was the expectation even for them. This passage in 1 Corinthians 10, the rock that followed them was Christ, verse 4. Um, in verse 9, we must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed. So just to further your point, the lesson here is, okay, Israel didn't do this. Jesus did. Jesus lived the way God expected him to. And he, Christ, has given us all things so that we too can overcome temptation. We can overcome sin. We can walk in the ways and fulfill what God has wanted from Adam, that he wanted in Israel, that Jesus did. And now he calls us to do as, as the full, true human beings bearing his image in the world. All right, so yep. let's go in. What's, what's the next one in Deuteronomy? So we got this concept of Jesus as, I don't know, the one who passed the test or something. I don't know what the best way to kind of summarize this, but the one who passed the test and gave us the, the keys to passing the test of sin and suffering and trials and all that. What's the next thing in Deuteronomy that we learn about Christ or that points toward Christ? Um, well, so in Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 18, uh, the Lord tells Moses, um, I will raise up for, for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites. 
and I will put word, my words in his mouth, and he will tell them everything I commanded him. And I, will, I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to my words, that the prophet speaks in my name. So in Deuteronomy 18, God is speaking to Moses and he says, hey, actually, you know, you're not the only prophet I'm going to send these people. Um, I'm actually sending another prophet who's going to be like you. Um, and I think this is helpful to think about too. Jesus is not just a fulfillment of the story of Israel. He's also a fulfillment of the story of Moses. Um, now a lot of, a lot has been made about this text and who is this prophet who is going to be like Moses and people have talked about, you know, maybe it's Muhammad, um, maybe it's some other people throughout history. But one of the things that makes it compelling to me that this particular prophecy is a reference to Jesus is the fact that Jesus in his story is like, Jesus' story is very much like the Moses story. And there's far more comparisons between the story of Moses and the story of Jesus as well. Um, I alluded to a couple of these already, um, but um, Moses escaped being killed as a baby when the decree of Pharaoh condemned all male infants to death in Exodus chapter one. Of course, Jesus too uh, escapes as a child um, from the, uh, the, the, the call to kill all the babies in Bethlehem from Herod. Um, though Moses was not an Egyptian, he lived among the Egyptians in the palace when an infant to preserve his life. Um, and of course, Jesus escapes down to Egypt as well. You might also think about too, um, the palace connection there, where uh, after seeing the suffering of his people, Moses forsook the palace life to alleviate their suffering. And um, of course, that should remind us of, of, of Jesus. He was uh, rejected by the ones that he came to save. Uh, Moses goes out to the Israelites and uh, he, he thinks that they're rec- going to recognize, hey, I'm your deliverer. But actually, they end up turning on him. They end up, you know, uh, you know, threatening him, and he has to flee into the wilderness. Uh, I mean, that's so just then, one time. Frankly, most of the story of Moses is the people rejecting him every time he tries to help, which is analogous to Jesus, of course. That was just a, a foreshadowing of what is to come, almost like Jesus's introduction, to Nazareth. You know, he comes home, and and then they, and that's just the, that's just the beginning of it. Yeah. Um, so then he comes back and uh, Moses is performing signs and wonders in Egypt. There's a huge emphasis in the Gospels on, this, on the same language being used to Jesus. He's performing these signs and wonders. Um, and, uh, and of course, Moses delivers God's people from slavery through a lamb without blemish. Um, he came out of Egypt, was baptized in the Red Sea, spends 40 years in the wilderness, fasted 40 days and 40 nights um, while at the mountain was tempted and ministered to by angels. He's given the law from a mountain as God's prophet to Israel. Um, he ends up serving as a mediator between God and the people. Uh, he's again and again rejected, as you pointed out, by, by these people that he's actually sent to deliver. Um, and yet he's interceding for the people. Uh, all, all along the way, he's interceding for the people because of their sins. Um, and of course, in a more broader and a bigger picture, He's the one who leads God's people out of slavery and onto the promised land. And even, and I mean, all those that you just hit are really clear parallels with Jesus. I mean, direct things Jesus did in his life and ministry or things about his character. Even another one, this is kind of going past the scope of Moses' life. After Moses departs, 
he appoints kind of one successor, but kind of a set of, um, I shouldn't say a success. Well, yeah, I guess in Moses case, it was a successor, but in other words, he appointed leadership for his people who would go in and do something that had not been done yet. Like Moses did not lead the people in to conquer the land of Canaan, but he did give them all they need. And then he, he was gone and then they went on. Well, there's a parallel with say the book of Joshua, which chronicles that with the book of Acts, which is Jesus saying, Hey, I'm going to be with you always, which is a little different than Moses. Moses actually left, but Jesus said, I'm going to be with you by my spirit. But there was a real sense in which you guys are going to go, quote unquote, conquer the land. You're going to preach the gospel. You're going to spread the kingdom to all nations. So even after the life of Moses, there's parallels with the, with the life of Jesus. Yeah. And I, I love kind of just summarizing all this. I love the passage in, in, uh, in Hebrews that speaks about how he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded the uh, disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Um, and I think that's really, um, you know, kind of summarizes the life of Moses and of course kind of sets it in, in light of Jesus. Um, in Acts chapter seven, um, Stephen will say, this is the Moses who told the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your own people. And, uh, and then he goes on to just just talk about how Jesus is the fulfillment of everything that Moses said. This is why though, this is why Jesus has such strong language for people who, for Jews, particularly the Jewish leaders who rejected him when he came. Um, He says in uh, John chapter five and verse 43, I have come in my father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you'll receive him. How can you believe? When you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God. And then he says in verse 45, don't think I will accuse you to the father. There's one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not, if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? So here's a picture of Jesus basically saying, you know, I'm just telling, I'm living out right in front of you um, everything that Moses said was going to happen. And now you're rejecting me. Well, it's not really me you're rejecting. It's, it's Moses himself, um, which of course would have been hard for them to hear. They were champions of following after Moses. But nonetheless, uh, it, they, were, they had actually rejected the very thing that Moses had promised would come, a prophet like him. And now Jesus is here fulfilling that. And, uh, and they're rejecting him. Yeah. And there's a lot of other references in the New Testament. You've highlighted several already, but John 1, the way John begins his gospel, Torah was given through Moses. Right. Grace and truth were revealed through Jesus Christ. So right there, he's, he's drawing the parallel that, yeah. hey, Jesus and Moses are similar. They both came speaking for God, representing God to the world. But Jesus is the, the, the level up on that. Or in yeah. John 6, whenever Jesus gave bread to the people the people thought in chapter 6 and verse 14 this is indeed the prophet who's come into the world so when people saw jesus that's what they thought of oh yeah yeah, this is the moses this is the one moses was talking about and like you referenced in acts i mean we can know for certain this is a prophecy about jesus because in acts 7 stephen makes that connection um in acts 3 uh peter calls jesus the the servant i mean well he calls him the servant but also the prophet like Moses. 
Uh, and then, I mean, another, just one more passage, not to read it all, but if people are interested in checking it out, you mentioned the passage in Hebrews 11 that details all these things about Moses that are so reminiscent of Christ and almost word for word what's said about Jesus in Hebrews 12. But Hebrews 3 really breaks that down. Moses considered the apostle of our faith, Jesus Christ, the high priest who came. He passed through the heavens. He's done all this stuff. Moses was a servant in God's house. Jesus was a son over God's house. And he, he makes all these parallels between how Moses was sent to Israel, how Jesus was sent, apostled to uh, humanity, and how Jesus brings about this greater thing. And I think seeing all these connections between Jesus and Moses and seeing the way in Deuteronomy 18 that God describes that is pretty useful. Yeah. Because he doesn't say a redeemer will come, although Jesus is a redeemer. And there's other passages that speak to that. He doesn't say uh, a mighty man, although Jesus was a mighty man who did mighty signs and wonders. Um, he doesn't, I mean, there's a lot of things, a lot of ways you could describe Jesus, but here in maybe, I guess, next to David, Jesus is compared to Moses, or there's more parallels between Jesus and Moses than just about anybody. And that's striking to me because the designation that's used to describe Moses is a prophet. And I think that's powerful to understand, hey, Jesus didn't just, just didn't come to model good behavior. That's the stuff that we looked at already. Uh, he didn't just come to bail me out for my sins by paying off my debt with God, although he did that. What Jesus came to do on a really fundamental level was to tell me the things that God thought God thinks so that I would actually do them, so that I would listen, so that I would obey. And that's the Deuteronomy 18 says, if you don't listen, then you'll be destroyed. And that's that reference you read in John 5. That's what Jesus says. Like, you guys are going to be condemned because you're not listening to the words of the prophet like Moses told you to do. Right. And I think that's a sobering, and, and it's, it, it's sobering and it's encouraging, sobering, because if I don't listen to Jesus, if I'm not obedient to every word that Jesus says, if I'm not careful about paying attention to what he said either when he was on earth or what he said through his apostles by his spirit in the scriptures, then I'm going to be condemned for that. But it's also encouraging that if I just listen to Jesus, I don't have to keep on searching for more revelation from God. I don't have to wonder what does God think or what does God want for my life? I've got it. The prophet has come. He's spoken. He's he recorded his words through his emissaries that he sent out in the apostles and prophets. And I'm good. I know what God thinks about the world. And I have, as John says it in John 1, we've, of his fullness, we have all received and grace upon grace. So I think that's a striking thing, a striking way to think about Jesus in a really important, Deuteronomy 18 helps us to think about Jesus in this way. Which is, you know, that's how the book of Hebrews actually opens. This book that talks so much about the law and Moses is, is God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his son. The emphasis being that there's a finality here. Like this is how you're going to know what God wants is you look at his son. Um, I was thinking about the point you made about from the gospel, John, um, about the connections with Moses. I like to think about Matthew as being the, the fulfillment of uh, Israel, Jesus, the fulfillment of Israel. And, and John is, is Jesus, the fulfillment of Moses. You know, he's kind of showing, he's showing how so much of what God was doing through Moses is being done in an even greater way in Moses. Because think about it. It really, you know, Moses does deliver the people through the blood of a lamb, but he's not the lamb. <laughs> and John, uh, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It's not Moses that he's talking about. It's Jesus. It's not, it's not an animal that he's talking about either. 
it's Jesus himself who's going to be the lamb, who's going to take away the sins of the world, which actually kind of leads to uh, the last thought I had from, uh, from Deuteronomy, connection between uh, Jesus, and we're not looking at all of them today, uh, but I thought one, this might be a good one to end on. Um, in Deuteronomy chapter 21 and in verse 22, there is this curse. Uh, if someone's guilty of a capital offense and is put to death and their body is exposed on a pole, you must not leave the body hanging on the pole overnight. Be sure that, uh, to, to bury it the same day because anyone who is hung on a pole is under God's curse. You must not desecrate the land, the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. So there's this picture here that anybody who gets hung on a pole, hung on a tree, um, ends up on uh, getting cursed. Um, and uh, in Galatians chapter three, Paul picks up on this idea to say, um, after building from the from the uh, from the law of Moses itself, in I'll start in verse uh, ten. For as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them now that no one is justified by the law before god is evident for the righteous man shall live by his faith however the law is not a faith on the contrary who practice them shall live by them then verse 13 christ redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us for it is written cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree in order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the spirit through faith. Now we'll talk probably more next, next time about um, some of the blessings and curses that come at the end of the book of Deuteronomy. Um, but I do think it's helpful for us to recognize that ultimately those curses should have fallen upon each of us because of our sin um, we are all under the curse of God. And yet the promise of the gospel is that Jesus came and he took the curse when he hung on the tree. He took the curse of God upon himself so that he might become the blessing of Abraham. And so that this blessing might come to all the nations. And so because Jesus goes to the tree and hangs on the tree and is cursed in our place, we are allowed to, we are allowed now to become part of uh, or to receive the blessing of Abraham and be ushered into his kingdom. Yeah, and that's a great way to wrap this up because so the first image we see of Jesus in Deuteronomy, the first one we've looked at today, is hey, Jesus did what nobody else ever did. He lived righteously and he calls us to live righteously. Jesus came, Deuteronomy 18, to be the prophet who would tell us exactly how we live. And if you don't, then you'll be cursed. Well, both of those are really encouraging on one hand. Oh, man, Jesus has yeah. been a pioneer, and we can follow after his footsteps. And he said, follow me, and I'll change you and make you into to be like me. And, oh, this is amazing. The fullness of God is revealed, grace upon grace. Whenever we listen to Jesus, we can know about him because he's the true prophet, even better than Moses. But there is that sort of foreboding sense of, oh, no. I know that I haven't followed that path where Jesus showed mercy and kindness. I've been selfish and hateful and spiteful where Jesus resisted every temptation. I've given into my flesh or I've given into my pride. Jesus commanded all these things and either 
I purposely closed my eyes so I didn't know about them or I knew about them and I rebelled against them. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of frightening when you think about this, but this one, which frankly is the biggest bummer of these, I'd say the one in Deuteronomy 21, I mean, it's, it's kind of dark and it's bad. I mean, when you, it's a capital offense. It's somebody, it's basically, Hey, take somebody's body down before the night and bury them. It's a, a, somebody hanging there. And yet it's actually the one that brings the most hope. Right. Because it points us toward, Hey, yeah, you know what? You committed capital offenses before God, no matter what sin you've committed in your life, you've committed capital offenses before God and Jesus hung on the cross to take on the curse that we've deserved. And I love the language that everyone who's hung on a tree or hung on a pole. The curse began with a tree all the way back. The rebellion where human beings said, Nope, we're not going to do it your way. God, we're not going to listen to your word. And they took the, the fruit from the tree that they shouldn't have. And that brought about curse. Deuteronomy 21 points toward this time when Jesus would hang on a tree to take the curse upon himself so that we could receive blessing again. And that's the awesome thing. And I think it, it just reshapes the way we should read all the old Testament or maybe it doesn't reshape. It. it should be a reminder. Maybe it's a reshaping for some, but it should be at least a reminder of, Hey, whenever we're reading this, these aren't just random stories that got recorded. They're God preparing people for the salvation that he was going to bring uh, in Jesus, which was gruesome and tragic in some ways, but is beautiful whenever we see what it's accomplished for us. Yeah. Um, just to that point in Luke 24, um, Luke ends his gospel with Jesus speaking to the disciples. And he says, these are my words, which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And that he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Uh, so the point being that actually, um, really, as we read the Old Testament as, as disciples of Christ, everything in the Old Testament is pointing to Christ. One of my teachers used to say, any list of messianic prophecies is too short if it doesn't include the whole Old Testament. And I think that's helpful for us. We need to recognize that as we read the Old Testament, we are, we are looking to see how all of this Old Testament story, all of these prophecies, all of these laws are ultimately fulfilled in him. Awesome. Well, thanks everybody for joining us. Hey, you probably know some passages and as Caleb alluded to, we kind of purposely didn't go through all of them. We're going to hopefully next week, look at one more, at least there may be others. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. What are some of your ref, uh, references to Jesus throughout the old Testament in the book of Deuteronomy? What are you learning? What are questions that arise for you with some of the things that we've talked about? Maybe sort of theological or doctrinal questions that come from the stuff we've talked about. Or maybe you have questions about some of the practicalities of some of these things and how you can follow Jesus better. We want to keep following Jesus. We want to obey him. We want to serve him and be saved by him. And we want to help others do the same. So if we can help you out, reach out to us on our website, thewaybk.com, or on our Facebook page, The Way BK. Um, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. If there's anything we can do for you, we want to do it. We hope that you're following after Jesus, seeking him, and uh, we'd love to help you in any way possible. Thanks for joining us, and we'll look forward to talking to you next time. The aim of The Way BK is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ across Brooklyn and beyond. For more information or to contact us, please visit www.thewaybk.com.